and welcome to the CSP Bears podcast. I'm your gracious host, Tanner Peterson, and I'm excited for you to join us on another great episode. Last week, I was lucky enough to sit down and talk with former Golden Bear and current member of the Oakland A's organization, Gus Varland. If you haven't listened to that episode, please check that out. And when you're looking for that, I also want to remind you that the Golden Bear podcast is now officially on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. So please go subscribe wherever you get your music and podcasts. But today, I'm very excited to welcome head coach of the undefeated CSP Bears women's soccer team, Steve Bellis. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Steve has been the head coach of the women's soccer team at CSP since 2011 and is coming off a season in which the team finished 10-8-1 and set a new program record for winning percentage in a season. But let's get to the podcast. So Steve, you're a native of England. Can you kind of talk about what it's like growing up across the pond? <laughs> across the pond. Um <laughs> Most overused phrase ever. <laughs> um, so I grew up in the um, outskirts of Manchester in a, in a little town called Chorley. Um, kind of a blue-collar, working-class industrial town. Um, and I, yeah, I grew up there with my uh, older brother and older sister, um, mom and dad. Mom and dad still live there, uh, sister's there. Brothers moved to a, to a different kind of suburb of Manchester. Um, I was the baby of the family, so I guess I was treated <laughs> a little bit differently. Um, my mum would appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it's northwest of England, and uh, if you look out the window today and it's rainy and it's cold <laughs> here, it's that's how it is in, in Chorley for about nine months of the year. Um, it's beautiful. I quite like the rain when it comes here. It gives oh, me yeah. a good uh, good smell of England. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's a different lifestyle. It's a different culture. Uh, we speak kind of the same language, not not quite really, to be not honest. Quite, but no. <laughs> um, I had a good upbringing. I had a great upbringing. I had a great childhood. Uh, two real loving parents. Um, dad was a teacher. Um, he went on to be um, a principal. Okay. And then my mum ran her own daycare centre. Oh. So both educators. Um, cool. And kind of those were the those were the steps that I was going to follow in. That was the that was the, that was the plan. So okay. no, I had a, I had a great childhood. I, I love England. I get back once twice a year. Okay. I've got kids who who love going back, seeing their English cousins and English <laughs> relatives, and being spoiled, and <laughs> you know, watching English TV and eating English oh, yeah. food, and you know. Um, no, it's it's definitely a different place. Very cool. So do you still keep in touch with your friends that you have over there? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, absolutely. FaceTime's great. Um, you know, the the internet obviously has been, been wonderful for staying in touch with relatives and friends in the UK for sure. Yeah, I've got a small group of close friends that I played soccer with or, or football with as a kid. Um and we we stay in touch a little bit, and then when I go back, I usually get an opportunity to hang out with those guys and go watch a game and sit mm-hmm. in the pub and, and bullshit with my mates. And <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love it. That's awesome. So prior to your coaching career, you played for, correct me if I'm wrong, but Corporal FC, and then you also played in the first round of the FA Cup, correct? Well, I played for Coppel United. Okay. 
um, as a kid. Okay. And then um, I went to college. Um, I wasn't quite good enough to be a professional player. I was a little on the slow side, a little chubby at times. <laughs> but I was a tough outside back, and I, you know, I liked defending. Okay. I, I wasn't overly creative as a, as a young soccer player, but I, I loved putting my foot in and getting tackles in. And so I had the privilege of playing for Koppel. Um, and then went to college, and also in England you can play for your club team and also play for your college side. Okay. Now, collegiate sports in England are not run the, the way that they are in the <laughs> USA, to be honest. There's there's so many professional ranks that are ahead of them, so if you end up playing in your college, it's it's more of a recreational setup, okay. to be honest. But, um, yeah, so I continued playing for Koppel and, and play for Chorley a little bit, and Played for Chorley Reserves and had a couple of games with the first team and then got um, an opportunity to play in uh, the first round of the FA Cup, which is the big um, tournament in, in the UK. Um, but any team can kind of play in the first round of the FA Cup. So this is not overly <laughs> special. It's just, you know, it's just something I tell people, to be honest. So It sounds important. Yeah, well, it was important as a, as a 17 or an 18-year-old. You're like, wow, I'm in the FA Cup. I could go, <laughs> I could go and play at Wembley, you know. <laughs> Realistically, very, very few amateur teams. We were semi-pro, you would call it, in the UK, but we were amateurs in the, in the UK. Advanced much further than you know the the opening rounds of the FA Cup, so we didn't. I'm pretty certain we got hammered, <laughs> but it was fun. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So, did playing kind of at not only like a that semi pro or amateur level as well as the college, how did that impact your coaching career now? Oh boy, I met some real characters along the way. <laughs> you know, the the grassroots football in England are just saturated with wannabe ex-professionals and dads who think they know the game and, and some real characters that, you know, thinking back, like, oh, my goodness, this guy was my coach. I couldn't believe it. When I was at college, we had a, we didn't really have a coach. Um, there was three te- four teams. The first team is, is where I ended up playing, and we had a kind of a coach. He was, his name was Headley Lawson, and I don't know if any of my uh, relatives will ever hear this, but... Headley used to work for the the gas industry, the local gas industry. And the beautiful thing about Headley is that he had this gas van. It was a big van, so he could transport the team. So today here at Concordia, you know, my kids whine if they don't get a seat to themselves. We didn't we didn't have a we didn't have a coach or a, or a bus. We were in the back of Headley's van to go to the away games. Um, so yeah, he was he was a real character. There was there was days when I remember Headley saying. You know, if you guys don't know how to play by now, you, you've got no chance. He said, I'm going to the pub. Come get me after the game. I'll, I'll drive you home. <laughs> it's a true story, that one. That's it was. Awesome. Uh, I can't remember where we went. It wasn't far away, but I remember Headley not even watching the game. He went for a beer instead. <laughs> I love that. That's a great story. Mm-hmm. So you got your start coaching with the youth system with the Manchester United. What was that experience like, and how did that kind of set you up to be a college coach? So um, as a, uh, a senior in, in college um, in England, um, I did my coaching licenses through the college. I was doing a sports um, education course. So we did um, the, the low-level uh, licensing from the English Football Association. And during that time frame, somebody came around and said, hey, do you, you, know, do you want to go to the States and do some summer camps as well, just to get some experience? So I did that. 
for two summers and then I came back and I'm like, hey, you know what, I think I could do this yeah. football coaching thing. So after I graduated, I wrote to literally every soccer club in, in my region. Um, and there's a lot. I mean, 12, 15 clubs that are all professional and they all have camps and community schemes and opportunities for young coaches. So I wrote and I waited and I waited and I never got any replies and I got frustrated. And mm. and then one day I get a letter in the mail and, it, and, it, and it's got Manchester United stamp on it. And I'm like, all right, this is a joke. This is one <laughs> of my friends because I'm a... I was and still am a big Manchester United fan. But I remember seeing this envelope and I'm like, somebody's winding me up here. This, is, this, is, this isn't true. So I open up the envelope and it's from a, a guy called Dave Ryan who's, who was back then the community officer and he was hosting a camp and they needed coaches with, with the minimum license, which I had. And I was like, all right, so we'll give it a go. So I went, I drove to Manchester and did a week and... Really enjoyed it. I, I got along pretty well with a couple of the guys. And he's like, what are you doing next week? And at this point, I was unemployed. I was literally, I was on the dole. I wasn't, um, they don't call it dole here, do they? I was, I was, I was collecting Social Security. Okay. I was literally being turned down for every job I applied. And this was in the kind of a recession time in the UK, you know, 25 years ago. Um, I actually applied for a, a potato picking job, right? So just to go and work <laughs> in the fields. Yeah. I remember I, I got turned down because I, really? I was too educated to pick potatoes is what the guy really? told me. Yeah. So anyway, the week after I get this letter from Man United and anyway, I go and one thing led to another and Dave Ryan actually was um, um, kind of a role model eventually, you know, just to, he played for Man United professionally and his job was to develop a community scheme where the football club was giving back to inner city kids in Manchester mm-hmm. and going to work with Kids who actually don't, they didn't own soccer balls. We went to schools and they had no soccer balls. So we really? would show it with a bag of balls and it was like Christmas, you know. Really? Just real, you know, kids who weren't privileged, kids who, who needed something outside yeah. of the classroom. So we did, I did that um, with Dave for about three years. Um, and it was a real eye opener. I've got, oh, yeah. I mean, there's some terrific stories from going into inner city schools in the middle of Manchester where. Manchester is either red or blue, right? So if if it's red, you're Man United. If it's blue, you're Man City. Okay. And we got sent into some of the the blue areas where you weren't overly <laughs> appreciated, and yeah. you know there was yeah, it was fun though. So I know I had a, I had a great time working with the community uh, scheme at Man United, and um, and that kind of led to a few other things within the club. I I went on to be an assistant for the U13 team, and I worked with uh, Tony Whelan. Uh, who played out here professionally in the States. He played for Man City. He was kind of a... It was big time for me to be Tony's assistant. And then Paul McGuinness, who was the... um, He played at Man United. His his dad was Wilf McGuinness, who was the manager of Manchester United back in the 70s. So I I worked with Paul and Tony and got a real education from those two. And, (laughs) you know, you you can do all the licensing and coaching courses that you you can, but there's nothing better than hands-on experience with kids who are unbelievably driven to to go on and be professionals and that's kind of what I got at Manchester United. You still keep in touch with the uh, community involvement officer that you mentioned? With Dave Ryan. We're on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook's a lovely thing, you know. (laughs) Um, You know, when I go back, if I'm looking for tickets, I'll try and get tickets off Dave. Um, Yeah, I stay in touch a little bit with him, yeah. He's a good guy. Very cool, very cool. 
So how did you go from working with all those inner city soccer programs mm-hmm. with this was Manchester United, correct? Mm-hmm. How'd you end up in Minnesota of all places? Oh crikey, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I'd come out to do summer camps in the summer because there's no soccer in England per se in uh, in June and July, so it was a really unique opportunity for professional soccer coaches in the UK to come out here, broaden your horizons as a person, you know, travel the world a little bit, but then also kind of do a bit of coaching and, 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 and gain more experience. So I did that with um, a company called British Soccer. Uh, they're now called Challenger Sports, based out of Kansas. Uh, and I did it for like five summers. Uh, basically, this is uh, late 90s. They would fly you into Kansas. You would hook up with four or five other coaches. They'd give you a car. And back then, there was no internet. So mm-hmm. basically, you got a piece of paper with a map, like old school, I bet you don't know what a map is, do you? You know, like a piece, like a, an atlas. You, you open this map yeah. and it was like, all right, you've got to get from Kansas to Tennessee. Oh, my God. And then your camp starts on Monday. Here's the phone number for the person you're staying with. And I know it sounds a little strange, but it worked well. I mean, it was a system that they'd obviously got down and they flew in hundreds of coaches from the UK and, and we were just like traveling all around the United States doing this. So. Oh, my gosh. And one, one of the camps was here in Minnesota. Okay. So that's how I ended up in Minnesota. Okay. So, yeah. I'd met my now ex-wife, um, met John Leaney, who was the head coach at McAllister College. Um, and John offered me a, a position at McAllister to be the assistant coach. Um, so I went back home, thought about it a little bit, told my boss at United he thought I was insane. He was like, <laughs> why would you leave the world's biggest football club to... To, to go to Minnesota, and obviously he hadn't heard of Minnesota. No one, oh, no, no one's heard of Minnesota. They don't know where it is. But I, I, I felt like it was. Um, I never played professionally. I'd probably gone as far as I would go in the pecking order as as a coach at Manchester United. And I thought this was a, a obviously a great opportunity to uh, to be in a different culture and, and and experience a different lifestyle, but also an opportunity to continue coaching. And and uh, that's what I went for. That's all. That's a great story. So I'm kind of curious. What were kind of the big? Did you have any culture shock moments when you came from? Oh, I'm England? still getting culture shock moments, <laughs> mate. <laughs> That's awesome. This is my twenty-something year. Um, I lived, always lived in Minneapolis. There isn't a week goes by where I'm like, I'm still shaking my head at some of the things that you know that I see and the American people say and yada yada yada. So. One of the bigger, and just a little one. I was telling the kids the other day. I, Opposite McAllister, back in the day, there was a bagel shop. I can't remember that. It wasn't Brugger's. It wasn't like a famous one. It was just mm-hmm. a small independent one. And at the time, and my mom's cooking was pretty minimal, to be honest, and we didn't really, we didn't branch out. I'd never had a bagel before. So really? I thought, well, whatever. I went over to the bagel shop, <laughs> and I didn't, and there was no one in front of me. I've gone straight to the line. I look at the bagel, so I'll pick that. I'll have that bagel. And I didn't know what you'd. Did on bagels, but I thought it looks. And he said, "Do you want it toasted?" I said, "Yeah, sure." And I thought it was something that you put cheese on, you know, like melted cheese. Yeah. I go on, melt some cheese on there, mate. And he said, "What do you want with it?" And I love mayonnaise. For some reason, I've got this thing for mayonnaise, which is a bit weird. So I had a, I, and for years, I, st- I mean, I still do occasionally. Don't tell the kids because that's not good. <laughs> I've been eating, you know, bagels with melted cheese and a ton of mayonnaise on them. 
And um, that was, I mean, I think that was like, you know, that was my introduction into bagels, which is a bit weird. But <laughs> obviously, you know, the, when you move overseas, the television's different. That was a big thing. And then back in the day, uh, the English Premier League wasn't on TV. You know, mm-hmm. when I got here in 97, 98, it just wasn't. Okay. And Leaney was the old uh, McAllister coach, an old English guy who's got way more stories than I'll ever have. Um, he used to video record on a, on a VHS. Uh, he got some highlight show that he was pirating in from like some satellite. It was weird. <laughs> so not being able to watch English soccer was, was brutal. I bet. Um, and that was tough. And the internet wasn't something I, I was fully into at that time. But obviously mm-hmm. once I, I figured out the internet, things became a bit easier culturally. Oh, okay. I got, yeah, you've got... We were in quite the situation there with coming straight over from the UK into the States. That's Yeah. And I, and you know, I, and I was real lucky to, to be with John Leaney. He was, he was a good mentor. Um, we we won the national championship in in '99 at McAllister. Uh, I didn't really know it was such a big deal. I just thought, all right, you know, here we go. We've we've won something. That's great. But you know, thinking back and looking at it, you know, retrospectively, it's um, it was a big accomplishment. Oh, for sure. And then we got beaten in the finals a year after, and and John's pretty low key and i think i just, i was just feeding off him you know i think if i thought about it today if concordia if we're making the national championship oh yeah you know i'm jumping out of my skin you know what i mean <laughs> i'm screaming from the rooftops but i think back then john was so cool and calm and collective and i was like all right here we go let's let's go win stuff that's pretty cool mhm very cool so you've coached like we said at the youth level and at the college level what are kind of some of the major differences that you found right a big one is parents you know, yeah. I'm still involved in youth soccer. Um, the boys' director for Minnesota um, Thunder Academy, or MTA. Um, sadly, parental involvement kind of it, it makes it difficult to be a youth coach, and mm-hmm. you, you're constantly, you know, looking over your shoulder and, and dealing with disgruntled moms and dads, and mm-hmm. you know, um, helicopter parents, and and that's that's a challenge. You know, if you look at it, when I was coaching in the UK, although I was coaching youth teams at Man United, parental involvement was was minimal. Really? Minimal. We had days where parents weren't allowed to come and watch. It was just, all right, we're just we're just football coaches, and that's what we're doing. We're not dealing with with parents, um, and that was really refreshing. I bet. Um, I can't see that ever happening here in the yeah. United States, unfortunately. But yeah. That's, do you think that as Anything to do with the, uh, I'll say, gap in talent from the States and the UK? Um, oh, there's too many reasons for that, to be honest. The, the USA have multiple sports. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of entitlement here, you know. I think they expect to be good without actually putting in the work and the time and the energy that it takes to get to that point. I got you. Um, the focus in England was, in the, you know, for most of the year you play soccer and... If you got bored in the summer, you'd play a bit of cricket, but you couldn't wait to you couldn't wait for the football season to open again and you can start again. Whereas here, I think I'm not saying it's a bad thing, yeah. but I think kids have so many different options uh, to focus on, and, and sometimes multi-sport athletes end up end up being not very particularly good at one, but but being okay at the others, and and that is that's a challenge. 
I think the cost of soccer here in the United States is a, is a big issue for inner city kids or, or, or kids from Hispanic families who can't afford to, to pay mm-hmm. the amount that it costs to play youth soccer in the States. I think that that's a bigger issue, I think. Okay. And then obviously the professional league is, is great. I think the MLS is awesome. I think our new stadium down the street is wonderful. I think the league itself needs to look at some relegation uh, and promotion so that lower-level teams can actually work their way up. I think mm. grassroots soccer is great, but also we need to kind of recognise, is, is college soccer the best avenue for male male players specifically okay. to go on and be professionals? I, I don't think so. Um, and I'd like to see you know the MLS kind of grow a little bit, grow a second tier, so that lads who, who who are good enough and good enough to be professional could maybe skip the college, you know, process and and go on and, and be professional in a different manner. Okay. Maybe that's a foreign concept, but oh, I it you. might work. I think yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. So you, uh, as I said earlier, this past year was one of the best seasons the soccer program here at CSP has ever had. Mm-hmm. Kind of with returning so many individuals, what were kind of the expectations for you? For this season? For this season. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's 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 significantly easier when you've got an experienced crew. The leadership amongst the group is incredible. Um, I don't worry too much about what my team's doing off the field. It's it's We're all on the same page. We've, we've kind of figured out what we're supposed to do. Um, also on the field, I mean, they know they know what the role is. They know how to play. We've got a system in place. We've got two or three different formations that they can all play. They know what's expected. To be honest with you, I'm not. I'm not having to teach a lot. This is not a teaching year. Mm-hmm. This is more of a refining year, getting players to 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 make sure that they're consistent in what we're doing, improve the the ability on the ball always. But I'm not having to teach systems of play or tactically. It's it's pretty much we've 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 done it before. They know what they're doing, and and if we need to make little changes, that's easy enough. But I'm not reteaching, so which is nice. Very cool, very cool. And do you like that aspect of not having to work on the tactical aspect, but more maybe strategical, looking at an opponent? Yeah, yeah, I do actually. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been nice. It's kind of refreshing, really. And the, and the good thing about it is that we've got a junior class behind the seniors that are, that are pretty much in a similar mindset. You know, I could probably play a team of juniors right now and we'd be relatively successful. So mm. it is, it's kind of nice to, to know that we've got a pipeline coming through of kids who understand the game and they understand how I want to play it. Um, and for the most part, everybody's buying into it, which is great. Very cool. So with your hot start to the uh, season, what are some of the keys that have kind of led you to this undefeated season? Oh, boy. We got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good schedule. I mean, yeah. ultimately, we've not played the big dogs in our conference yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking forward to that. We're fit and healthy. Our um, strength and conditioning program has been wonderful. They've done a really nice job of preparing the players over the summer. Um Again, players have had our expectations sent to them that you you work out in the summer, you play soccer in the summer, and you come in in good shape. Uh, I think that's led to minimal injuries. So right now we have 27 on the roster, and as of this afternoon, all 27 can practice. 
That's never happened before in my yeah, time. Take that, yeah. It might be lucky. It might be, but Maybe. I don't think so. I think a lot of it is down to the work that Rich White's done. Um, the kids actually taking it on themselves to look after themselves properly and eat properly and hydrate and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, so that's helped. Sure. But then we've got we've got some special talent on the team. Some of the seniors, some of the juniors, a couple of freshmen are actually, yeah, we're good. I mean. I don't want to take too much credit because it's not all <laughs> really it's not about me it's about what what the kids are doing but mm-hmm. I think some of our recruiting over the last 2 years is really helping us at this point now. We've recruited the right players at the right time and the right personalities and I think we've got some really good people on our team and I think that's helping as well. Yeah, it's great to hear and it's shown. It's shown so far yeah. on the field. But so this weekend you have your first road conference matchup in St. Cloud tomorrow, correct? Mhm. And then is it Saturday or Sunday that you are at Duluth? Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, we're 1 o'clock at Duluth. Okay, so kind of what's the schedule for that with such a busy weekend? And kind of what are your preparations like? Uh, yeah, so we've started looking at both teams. We've got a system that we use called VidSwap, and it's basically videos of all the teams that we play, and we can break that down. So after our previous game so after our Sunday game immediately myself and Erica our grad assistant started working on breaking down games and you know we sat in the office on a Monday and we really focused on Friday so all right what does St Cloud look like what do they play like who's the strong players what do the set pieces look like and we're just trying to get organized early as possible so that our training session this week uh, has been tailored towards how do we beat St Cloud so we're not you know we're not really worried about some of the basic soccer stuff. We, and again, it's been more uh, more of a tactical week on, all right, here's the things that we're going to do to kind of break down St. Cloud. So so that's been that's been helpful. The, the issue that we do have run into now is that our team focus needs to be Friday, mm-hmm. but we don't have a lot of time to turn around and get ready for Sunday. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's better than last year because last year we were doing back-to-back games. We were doing Saturday-Sundays. But now at least we have that rest day. So Saturday we're going to obviously start thinking about Duluth and getting organised for those guys. So yeah, the St Cloud games are Friday, one o'clock kickoff. Um, When we went to Friday and Sunday, I I was hoping that all the Friday games would be Friday evening. I'm not a lover of playing at one o'clock on a Friday afternoon when kids are still in class. Mum and dad have to work. It's just something that the conference need to figure out. That that's not. That's not promoting our sport. That's mm-hmm. kind of like putting our sport in a, just in a time slot and not really helping, you know, promote soccer and, and, and getting people to the game. So hopefully that'll change. Uh, but, yeah, it's a weird one. So we'll leave here at 8 o'clock on Friday morning. We'll get up to St. Cloud. We'll do some pregame stuff out on the field. We'll stretch a little bit. We'll hang out. They've got a nice locker room, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, so we'll hang out there for a bit and then, uh, yeah, hopefully get a result. I hope so too. Yeah. Well, that's really all I've got for you, Coach Bells. I really appreciate you coming on. I had a great time. Oh, no worries, mate. There's plenty more stories, and um, I'm not sure some of them are are, are appropriate for for your (laughs) podcast. But, um, yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for your interest in the program. And I would encourage everybody, if you've not seen a lot of soccer, to to come out and cheer us on and and have some fun at the games. For sure. You've got quite the talent on the field. So thank thank you. you. So finishing out the rest of this week in Golden Bear Athletics, the football team plays tonight hosting the Wayne State Wildcats. That matchup will actually be televised on Midcoast Sports Network, so be on the watch for that. As I said earlier, 
Coach Bellis and the women's soccer team take on St. Cloud on Friday. That starts at 1 o'clock. And then the UMD Bulldogs of Duluth on Sunday. And that starts starts at 1 o'clock as well. The volleyball team is action hosting Sioux Falls on Friday. That starts at 6. And they play the SMSU Mustangs in the Gangelhoff Center on Saturday starting at 2 o'clock. The women's golf team will head to Marshall, Minnesota for the SMSU Fall Golf Invite going on this Saturday and Sunday. And speaking of the golf team, I would like to recognize the male and female athletes of the month in sophomore Taylor Zach and senior Sophie Hill. Zach registered a top or a sec, his second top 10 finish, taking 8th out of 63, as well, as well as posting a career low of 69 and 3 under in the first round. That round led to a career best 146 for the tournament. Hill not only won the Tracy Lane Memorial, but also won the Golden Bear Classic, which was recently held in Stillwater, Minnesota. Her great week was enough to be named NSIC Women's Golf Athlete of the Week for the second consecutive week. Well, that's all I've got, Golden Bear fans. I really appreciate you listening. I appreciate having Steve on the podcast, and hopefully you can join us for our next episode. See ya!